Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Um, I have to take a moment. I mean, many of you have heard me talk about or reference what is going on in the Ukraine. And I know myself and Mark Anthony were planning an interview with one of the members of parliament. So I just want to say we're opening today's show and I'm opening every show with heart opening because that's what, you know, this episode and the conversation with Brett Bevel is about, about heart opening, really. You know, when we take a look at how our conscious and unconscious works, when we're thinking about, or how, how should I say it, not even thinking about racism, you know, what inherits our bodies, what inherits our kind, what, what literally takes over, what kicks in. Today, Brett's going to take us on a journey. This is his passion. This is his purpose. You know, he has talked about many, many aspects of racism. You know, he's the author of several books. Uh, but when it comes to racism, it's about healing racism within. And when you have experienced, you know, the, the associated trauma that comes along, and I have to say with any form of racism, people may be thinking, oh, well, what do you mean trauma? Do you mean the trauma of getting mugged like a friend of mine was just mugged? No, doesn't have to be that. So we're going to talk about this today and open our hearts, open our minds, and let's make a commitment to change. Brett, are you, I know you're all in, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's talk about unconscious ways racism. Um, I want to say, I, I don't want to say in, in inhabits our consciences. I mean, you know, it's as if our consciousness is porous. And racism somehow finds every pore to pour itself in. Can you talk about the levels of that and what you've seen? Yeah, so, uh, thank you. So, so I mean, one of the one of the main ways I see it is is something that I call a, a racist brule, and I'm borrowing the term brule from Vishen Lahiani, which means basically means a BS rule. You know, we create all these kinds of rules in our in our consciousness that sometimes have no real basis in truth. Um, a perfect example of a racist rule for me would be that kind of romanticized vision of the old South that you see, like with films like Gone with the Wind, this idea of some, you know, pretty place and as opposed to what it really was, which is a, a human factory farm where there was a lot of pain, a lot of torture, a lot of really horrible things going on. And so when we when we try to pretty things up in our own consciousness and, and not see things as they truly are then that allows us to make decisions that are uninformed and uh, make choices that don't really look at the truth of things. And we can, we can do that 
feeling totally fine about ourselves because we feel like, oh, you know, um, nothing wrong with me. I'm just going about my day, right? Mm -hmm. And there's these little tiny ways in which in which those racist rules kind of seep into our awareness and seep into our consciousness. And so, um, you know, a lot of my work is how can we use tools, whether it's energy healing or affirmations or art therapy or other things to really start to look at ourselves and, and turn that around and take a deeper look in through our subconscious mind and work this work this stuff out. You know, I want you to really talk a little bit more about this because, you know, there's unexpressed in your terms, your language, unexpressed racial grief. And I want to talk about this for a minute because I gave one example. Uh, a close friend of mine got mugged about a week ago. And, you know, I mean, okay, I'm calling it mug, but to be honest with you, it's like a hate crime. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, when somebody gets, you know, treated badly or physically or mentally and emotionally because of the color of their skin, because of their sexual identity, whatever that is, because you're either a woman or a man, whatever that is, because, because fill in the dots, there's a line that gets crossed and associated with that are many forms of grief can you talk about racial grief and explain that to people yeah so i'll, I'll talk about it first in terms of just being a, a white person and a white person who came from a very racist background um mm -hmm. you know it took me a while to realize that there was there was emotional pain that i didn't want to look at that was about the way my parents behave, the way my grandparents behaved, and also just a, the way my culture has behaved. There, there's a, a, a certain level of pain there. And what I've realized too, it, it really came to the surface for me a number of years ago when I was uh, doing my master's thesis in San Francisco, which involves some poetry. And when I really started to read that poetry in the Bay Area, which you would think of as being quite progressive and liberal, um, I was getting the strangest reactions from from people uh, who literally wanted to censor my work um, and did censor my work um, because they didn't want to hear what I was talking about. And so for me, that was an indicator that, that this, this grief, when you don't look at it, I was looking at it through my poetry, but when you don't look at it, you're going to want to push it away. And so I think society, we do that in, in many ways. I think even just, even just the kinds of reaction that people like Colin Kaepernick get for taking a knee on a football field during the national anthem, simply to call attention to the injustice that was happening with one police shooting after another of innocent people, um, you know, that, that huge overreaction that we create as a culture is really based on this internal stuff that we've never had the courage to look at. And, you know, I want to stay with that for a minute, because I think it's a perfect example. I really would like you to talk to it, because I mean, let's just go down fascination and imagination lane for a second, if yeah. we could. Yeah. If a guy like Kaepernick, if a guy like him loses everything, right? I mean, let's try not to look at him today, right, for a minute. Let's try to look at what happened then. Yeah. One day, he is a superstar. The next day, everybody pretty much turns on him. And I, I don't say everybody because not everybody did, but the turn against him was so dominant, dominant. But today we look at him, he's kind of like a hero. 
but he did lose everything. So let's talk about what happens if you're not him, if you're not Colin Kaepernick, you're like the average everyday person trying to earn a living and you're faced with this. And because the consequences are so great for speaking up until it gets to a boiling point that you just suck it up. I mean, the painful thought of that, it's just daunting for me. And I think, again, I think that's what, that's one of the, the psychological mechanisms that keeps racism in place in, in our culture. And the fact that, you know, because, because it is so overwhelmingly um, challenging to, to have the courage to speak out. And, and in many cases, people might be, you know, risking their job or um, risking more than that by speaking out, risking their reputation, risking their livelihood. And that when you do that, um, you know, you're, you're trying to do it for, for a greater good, but you're also very aware of the, the potential consequences if, if people decide, you know, <laughs> um, as, as I experienced on some of them, as, as many people yeah. have experienced in a, in a greater way that, that um, you know, the, the negativity of that can be pretty harsh. You know? Yeah, yeah. And there's no question about it. I mean, I, I want to talk about a couple of other things here because, you know, unexpressed racial grief has, I don't even want to talk about the devastating effects of that because any grief, let's just talk about any, any grief we already know from science, what it does to our bodies, what it does to our subconscious, what it does to our behavior. I mean, you could go on, but this in particular, this idea of unexpressed racial grief, it literally holds prisoner a person's life. And, you know, many of us have gone through it. I have worked in corporate environment. And I will tell you this. And my coach was from Ghana, Africa. And when you see things as a young person, as I did, and you don't understand it, having grown up in, a, in, in an environment where you are the white person, but you don't know it because you're just with people. You're coming out in the world now, and now you see the world the way the world sees you in the context of who gets privilege and who doesn't. That in itself is, people grieve that every day. Yeah, I mean, the, the level of, Again, I often experience it on a daily basis just because my, mm. my wife is, right. is a person of color and just, you know, the, what would seem to be the simplest things in terms of, you know, somebody not paying attention to you in a, in a line because of the color of your skin and things like that, that I hear about uh, on, a, on a pretty constant basis. Just oh, my God. I, wait, I waited in a restaurant for five hours, like four and a half hours we waited until we realized Sam and I did not get a seat because he was black. I mean, why would we even wait that long? But, you know, honestly, you see this every day, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's so prevalent in our society. It's really, I think, again, it's part of the, the energetic fabric mm -hmm. of, of who we are because of 500 years of racial oppression um, is, is woven into our consciousness. Mm. And again, I think that, that there are healing tools we can use mm. to try to unwind it and to try to, 
release that, but we have to really be willing to step into that and step into that conversation and step yeah. into that process. Um, can you talk about our culture and cultural loss? I mean, the, here's what I'm struck by. I'd love you to comment on this. Um, I, I would love for you to talk about this idea of culture, because when, when Barack Obama, President Barack Obama was elected twice, you know, everybody thought the world had changed. Everybody, I call it the great racism illusion. And I mean, I, I don't know another phrase. I made that up. But everybody thought we have arrived. Now, why do I say that? I think it had positive progressive impact. I really do. But culture is tricky, isn't it? And whether you're a consultant and trying to address culture, like corporate culture, it is tricky. It is slippery. Can you talk about culture and the impact what happens, you know, when we have culture in the forefront? Yeah. So, I mean, so culture loss for me is when, you know, one of the great things about this country is that idea of the melting pot, but one of the sort of negative aspects of the melting pot is often as we're fusing into one culture, we can lose really the, the generational knowledge that, that our grandmother or grandparents or great grandparents had, the customs, the traditions, the things that bound us together and, and made our lives richer. Mm -hmm. And I think we all have levels of culture loss, whether one is white or brown or mm -hmm. whatever, whatever one's background or heritage might be. I think in this culture, you know, that we've, we've kind of trained things to be left on the doorstep where we, we no longer embrace necessarily those traditions that, that our ancestors brought when coming, coming to this country um, or for a, uh, you know, a person of color, um, I think it's, it's even, even stronger that way, because, you know, the, the dominant culture is this, this white privileged culture. And yeah. so I think when we don't, when we don't really examine what we've lost in terms of our own personal culture loss, for example, I'm, I'm kind of a mutt. I've got heritage that goes to, you know, Greece, uh, <laughs> Irish, Dutch, <laughs> Cherokee, German, French, but all those cultures, for me, is pretty void. Like, I don't have a lot of traditions to draw from that I'm knowingly and consciously part of. And so I think um, that that culture loss has affected our overall culture in, in a way that makes our life far less rich and kind of deprives us of some of the mechanisms that, that we might have been able to, to be held by our culture in terms of mm -hmm. moving through things like racial grief and things like that. I love this conversation. Before we keep going, I want to make sure everybody tuning in, Brett Bevel joining me here. Brett, how do people get a copy of your book about healing racism with them? Fabulous, fabulous invitation. I call it an invitation book, boy, because I, I, I don't care who you are. You got something inside, got to be healed, and this is going to help you. How do we find out about that? Tell us some of the things you're teaching now. You know, you're also a, a Reiki trainer at the Omega Institute, Holistic Studies. You're all of that. How do we find out about all about Brett? <laughs> so you, to find out about me, you can go to my website, brettbevel.com. That's B-R-E-T-T-B-E-V-E-L-L.com. In terms of the book, Healing Racism Within, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and also 
I totally encourage people to support their local bookstore as well. So you could easily go into your local bookshop and just order it if they don't have it uh, readily available. But certainly Amazon and Barnes and Noble, I know carry it uh, as well. And yeah, I do do a lot of things. I'm also an energy healer and part of uh, part of the training that I do uh, involves Reiki trainings that I offer at Omega Institute. And they'll be offering a level one and two training there in uh, early July of this year that I'm excited about. You know, um, we had an interesting conversation. I will share it with you because it ties right in to what we're talking about today. I don't know what it is, Brett. Uh, Maybe it's a phase that I'm going through in my life, or, or maybe it's because I've had a couple of people ask me to write a bunch of articles and, you know, Pat, share this, share that. And and I just don't. I mean, it's like, I think I missed an article deadline like Monday. Um, but I've started to think about my life and how rich and challenging some parts of it have been. I want to talk to you about this idea of a racial self-portrait. And the reason I want to talk to you about it is there's been a little confusion in my family here over the past, I'm going to say 10 years, once the genie got out of the bottle that grandpa was born in Brazil. Hello. (laughs) He was like a farmer in Brazil, like born in Brazil. And like now all of these relatives with my my mom's maiden name and, and then the other relatives that we thought we were all like Italian, they're all in South America, right? I wanna talk about this racial self-portrait because I think it's important intuitively we know what we're drawn to do you know i got disallowed to participate in a sport back in 1974 because i had a an a shirt outfit on from my coach's home region ghana his mom was an entrepreneur in ghana and she created me this beautiful um and I wasn't allowed to play in it. And there was some cockamamie story about how it was too bright to see the little white ball. And I refused to take it off. And so let's talk about our self-portraits here. Can we give it to me from your perspective? Because you are married to a person of color. So explain to people what self-portrait is and how powerful it could be. Yeah, so for me, this racial self-portrait is uh, is pretty easy. You don't have to be an artist. You don't have to be, you know, a talented drawer or anything like that. Just a simple blank piece of paper and a pen or pencil, and just do a do a drawing of yourself, even like a doodle of yourself. But while you're doing that doodle or that drawing of yourself, hold your intention that you're you're expressing things about about your own racial awareness, right? So when I first started doing this, when I would draw, when I would draw my ears, they would come out very pointed and kind of tangled. And, and I would just let myself feel with that intuitively. What is that emotional tangled thing that I'm seeing around my ears? And I would tune into it. It's like, oh, those are the words of hatred that I heard growing up as a child. Those are the words of uh, disparaging people of other races that I heard as a child. And so just allowing my ears to be drawn in this disfigured way, but just to me that showed what I what I was experiencing as a child also when I would when I would do these drawings in the beginning I'd see my eyes would always be closed and that was because there were things I just didn't want to see 
there were things that I didn't want to acknowledge that were related to my own racial history and the and the kind of horrific racial uh, history that that I grew up with my in my very racist family, even in how I drew drew my mouth. You know, it was again it was kind of distorted with this sense of like in, in inability to speak the truth. And many of these techniques I learned from basically just doing art therapy when I was overcoming my own uh, sexual abuse trauma as a child, but art therapy was very helpful for me. And so I thought, let's just adapt this process to reflect and tune into what's going on with ourselves with relationship to issues around race. I love it. I don't know if I have time to step away, uh, but the power of what you're talking about here today and what I mean by the power of it, um, the power of what you're talking about here today and the expression of that allows us to explore parts of who we are. And I, I don't, I'm not able to get it, but art, I created these, I don't know what to call them. People call them goddess heads. I took styrofoam. I, I won appetizer forks at a white elephant and I created about eight of these and one of them is a self-portrait. And when I show that to people, they're shocked by it. Mm. Um, actually, two of them are self-portraits. One is a very, very dark face, right? Just dark. What do we learn from self-exploration? Because you and I can do a whole show on racism and art therapy, and I think we should, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but what do we learn? Because I learned so much about myself. See, I saw myself in that, but people looked at it and they said, what the heck were you thinking? I wasn't. Tell us about the power of expression of our self-portraits. Yeah, so the self-portraits for me, they become like a Rorschach dot or a, a way that you can really start to reflect back on, oh, this is an area where I'm still holding on to stuff that I need to release. This is area where I need to improve, like, Oh, if my mouth is distorted because of things that I was afraid of speaking the truth, well, yep. how am I speaking the truth today, right? Or if my ears were distorted by ways that I, you know, things that I heard as a child, what am I really listening to today? And what am I, what am I being discerning about in terms of how I listen to people or situations? Um, and even just in, in how I do my eyes, like, am I really seeing, am I re really willing to look at myself and also to look at my own relationships and how they are either equitable or inequitable and take action around that. So to me, the, the power of a self-portrait is it really gives you a kind of a in the moment energetic imprint of where you are, what you need to work on and mm. kind of a map, you know, that, that can help lead you to a better place. You know, when we have more time and I hope you will come back, cause I do want to talk about this, you know, we recently in the state were told we could take our masks off for a lot of reasons, but now I understand that that may be, may be changing. But I always, nine times out of 10, I wear a black mask. And somebody said to me, why do you wear a black mask? And I thought, well, that's the oddest question. I mean, it's not even like, why are you wearing a mask? But why do you wear a black mask? Every time I see you, you either have a full black mask, it's black, black, black. Why is that even a concern for you? <laughs> but you see how, yeah. how odd these parts of ourselves are, but it's an opening for a conversation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's digging deeper into that, you know, whether it's the 
issue around the mass or the self-portrait. It's when we have those invitations to just dig deeper and, and take a deeper look at ourselves and at our world. You know, I love um, what you're doing. And you, we, we'll have to talk to Linda and get this, this uh, on the books to yeah. talk about racism and how we portray it and how healing art can be. Because I know that's something that you do. Um, the work you do is powerful. You come from a personal place and a passionate place as I do. Um, what do you want to say to the world today? What do you want to say? Because honestly, racism is really alive and well, huh? I hate saying that. Yeah. I hate saying that. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate saying it too. And, um, uh, you know, I think my heart's just in a heavy place too, just from the, the war that's occurring. Yeah, me too. And, um, uh, I think many of us have our hearts in a heavy place right now. I mean, that's it, genocide. I yeah. just, that, that we could do a whole show on that too. Yeah. Um, and again, I often, I often mention this, um, you know, the most simple practice of, of gratitude, even, even expanding that and extending that into, into uh, looking at things that we are grateful for that are for people outside of our own race or for cultures outside of our own culture. I, I know that science shows how gratitude can rewire the brain. And I really think if there's only one thing that people could do, which would be to be grateful for something, make a daily gratitude of list of things that you're grateful for that have nothing to do with your culture or your race. It's not that you can't be grateful for things or your culture or your race, but just to expand that beyond so that you're looking at other cultures, other races, and finding things that you're grateful for mm -hmm. on a daily basis, just to start to rewire our brains in that very simple yet very profound way. Mm -hmm. Brett, thank you for today. I know this is a short chat. We, you and I will continue this. Just so you know, you are the first to know we have um, identified what our channel will be. That will be a forum for all this. And believe it or not, it's called TTN Diversity. I love it. I mean, we agonized over what to call it. We had like six different channels. For, we didn't want to leave a group out. And then Linda and I were like, what happened to the word diversity? Can't we use that? Hmm. Boom. There we go. Know your own divine magic and extend peace and love to all with Reiki master and author Brett Bevel. Brett offers empowering solutions with energy healing modalities, magical awakening, and psychic Reiki. Brett's latest book, Healing Racism Within, A Lightworker's Guide, draws on his own journey of growing up in a racist community and healing childhood trauma. For more on the most cutting-edge energy healing techniques, visit brettbevel.com. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens, with monthly guest host Karen Benton. Tune in for powerful conversations about health and wellness. Karen brings unique insights rich with humor and science to her discussions with experts in medicine, movement, psychology, spirituality, and so much more. Don't miss Karen on The Truth is Funny every third Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Karen, visit KarenBetton.com. Do you question what an authentic life really looks like? Tune in to The Alley Effect with Allison Blythe authentically living life your way every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com, where Allison Blythe brings you tools, resources, and actionable steps toward your very best life. Take responsibility for your own happiness. 
For more about Allison, visit Allison, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, Blythe, B-L-Y-T-H-E dot com. Have you always known that you're on a soul path? And have you wondered how to gain real insight into the steps along your own unique journey? Welcome everyone, I'm Sarah Main, and thank you for joining me on Damayanti, the show for your soul. I'm so glad to have you along. Damayanti means peace and calm. Damayanti sheds a light for your soul through the wisdom that shines in the universal language of Sanskrit. Damayanti is the show that speaks to your soul, connects with your soul, and enriches your soul. Join me now on Damayanti, the show for your soul, and be inspired and uplifted by the beautiful light of this profound, timeless wisdom. Welcome everyone. Welcome to Damayanti, the show for your soul with me, Sarah Main. And today, in today's show, we're going to be talking about the path from ordinary to extraordinary. And we're actually talking about the path, the actual path itself, um, because there's characteristics and features and experiences that are sort of common. There are common elements to it. It'll be experienced slightly differently for everyone, but there are some common elements and it's really good to just have an awareness around it. Otherwise, you just don't quite know what's happening to you and to your experiences and life in general. Um, so if you've felt like you've awakened to another dimension of life, that there's just more to it than the ordinary 3D experience, um, but you haven't quite got comfortable with the word spiritual, you're worried what your friends and family might think. Um, this is what I'm going to address today specifically. Um, so let's get into it because you are really a spiritual soul dressed as a human being. And there's a quote sometimes attributed to Wayne Dyer, uh, sometimes to other people. So basically no one actually knows definitively who said it, but this is a quote. Uh, that says you are not a human being having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. Um, and look, it's a cute saying. It's sometimes on T-shirts and mugs, but it is actually reality. And, and, that, and sometimes that experience is not always comfortable and it's good to just have an understanding of what's happening so you're not too hard on yourself or you don't give up. Um, so just consider this in whatever way it's happened. Have you started to question, started to search and look beyond your ordinary everyday experience of life? Do you feel like something has awoken in you? Uh, do you feel that you're experiencing, uh, a disorientation with your self-image? You thought of yourself and felt yourself as one way. And now that's changed. It may not have changed radically, but it's just like there's a slight kink in your perception of your self-image. And there's this disjunct and this disorientation. Uh, are you uncomfortable with the typical perception of what you're being from the inside being drawn towards? Um, you don't know how to explain it, you know, and, and there's these uncomfortable terms that slightly pejorative 
terms that people use, like, oh, that's all herbal, that's just vegan, uh, oh, that's all just unicorns, it's the soft option, you're off with the pixies, it's all woo-woo, kooky, anti-science, crystals, fairies, chanting, you're not in the real world, and it goes on and on and on. You know it's real, but you struggle with how to explain it, and you're faced with all that loud chatter that can smack you in the face, frankly, verbally and psychologically, like the unicorn soft option, woo-woo and all of that. And you just don't know what to do and what to say sometimes. Do you struggle to find the words to describe what you're experiencing? Do you feel uncomfortable using the word spiritual? And, I mean, what does spiritual even mean? You know, there's all sorts of things like that going on. But at the same time, are you excited by all the new things you're discovering and experiencing? You've got, you're getting new understandings. You might be trying new inner practices. Perhaps you've taken up meditation. Uh, there's new experiences in general. You've chosen to adopt some new habits, nothing radical, but you're, you know, seeking to, to um, establish some new habits and make better choices. You might be having a new outlook on life. Uh, you've got lots of questions. You're reading things. You've got uh, fewer answers than you do questions. That's a good thing. You've got a new energy and a new enthusiasm and a new lightness of being. And in some respects, a new peace and calm and steadiness is there. It's just a general higher vibration and positive energy. So you've got those two things going on. And then you can feel like you're on a, um, in Australia and in England and uh, New Zealand, we call it a seesaw, but I think in America it's referred to as a teeter-totter. Do you sometimes feel like you're on that, that uh, play equipment going up and down, up and down all the time, steady one day and all over the place the next? Um, like I say, you're, you, you've got so many questions and fewer answers. And sometimes you feel there's not many people who, to whom you can ask those questions. And do you feel that you can't really talk to your friends, regular friends that you used to talk to easily about things? All of a sudden, you've got these new experiences, this new dimension, these new discoveries, and you can't really talk to them about it. It's not that it's private and secret. It's just, it's just a different dimension. Uh, and sometimes you feel like you don't quite fit in anymore in situations where you may have before. Um, and even you might feel a bit alone, but not in a bad way, just a little bit alone. So all of these are characteristics of this shift in perception. Um, and it's a shift within yourself where we're actually beginning to awaken and the consciousness is actually uh, evolving. It, the consciousness is always and everywhere, ever present and complete, whole, pure, perfect. That's your essence. Um, but we're awakening from like a slumber and it, it happens this awakening, we call it an awakening, in Sanskrit, it's called a shubhechcha, which means a good impulse or a good desire. And it, it, 
it's like an inspiration. It appears out of nowhere and it can be from a, something you've read um, and it could be something you've read randomly. It can be something you've seen um, online or on TV, something someone said, or it can be an event in life. You may have experienced, uh, for example, a loss of someone close and it's sort of, shocked you in some way or other and you start to question but there's some impulse some new energy has entered um and it, it's a little bit like the mirror cracks and it, it'll never go back so you have this situation where you're just not quite sure that how you perceived the world is in fact how it is so this is the path i'm talking about the actual path and the characteristics and nature of this uh, a lot of people don't really realize what's happening to them and I'm helicoptering out of out of that day-to-day -day experience that granular experience and giving you an overview because it will just help things this soul path that you're on actually <clears throat> excuse me this soul path it will just make it easier and and you'll have greater understanding for yourself and everyone else what the situation is. So we've had this sort of, we'll call it an awakening, right? And, and then you are confronted with this societal um, judgment of that. Uh, it's covered in, in Plato's cave where Plato says the prisoners in the underground cave, if one is freed and he goes up above ground and realizes that there is actually reality beyond that bondage in the cave, and he seeks to go back, it's natural, and liberate his friends in the cave, they would see him as being deluded and turn on him if they were freed and seek to sort of stop him and silence him. And, you know, that's the sense you get when, you know, you start talking about these things and people talk about woo-woo. You know, um, and this is an entirely familiar experience in my case. And so you tend to just not say anything. And that's fine within itself. But then sometimes you do want to find someone who understands. And that's then a new challenge. Um, so just realizing that this is normal, it's natural, um, it's not a problem. But it is an experience and to embrace that experience and understand that it's all okay, you're not going nuts. Um, and by the same token, those that um, may sort of, uh, uh, those that are quick to say, oh, it's all pixies and woo-woo and um, not in the real world and all that sort of stuff, <clears throat> not to judge them harshly, just understand that they literally cannot see what you're seeing and that's not a problem it doesn't make you better doesn't make you higher it's just now the responsibility is on you to have the greater understanding that they don't understand and that there is discomfort in the experience it's not necessarily your problem and it's certainly not to blame anyone else who doesn't understand um it's just the situation and that's why it helicoptering out and having a, a sort of blue sky view over the situation takes out the judgment and the push 
and um, the misunderstandings that you can have of your own experience and anyone else who isn't part of that experience. Um, and you do have, I find, a greater appreciation and gratitude for those people that you discover along the way who are in the same company as you, that do understand and you have uh, shared interests and shared experiences because they're just moments to, to savour and enjoy and see as a blessing. Um, and they are there and they often are presented just at the right time. You don't actually need to be talking about this all day and every day like you did, you know, chat to your friends about everyday things. These sorts of things you don't need to be talking about all the time. The work goes on within. So that is just an orientation, a blue sky view about the situation and acknowledging it, validating it, not getting stuck in it, and certainly not judging yourself or anyone else. So with that picture, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about moving beyond the comfort zone and stepping free of the fear and what's really going on with this soul path that you've awoken to. So we'll be back shortly after the break. The wise tell us that beauty is everywhere, if only we know how to look. Here's a simple way to see beauty everywhere. Think of three beautiful things, like the laughter of a child, a sunset over the ocean, the sound of a waterfall, the taste of a perfect meal. It can be anything. Just remember three beautiful things. Then ask yourself, what do these things have in common? What do they share which we call beauty? The next step is to let go of the specifics, the laughter, the sunset, the meal, and just contemplate beauty itself. This is a heart thing. Leave the mind and go to the heart and find universal beauty. Join me, Sarah Main, on Damayanti, the show for your soul, where we discover beautiful things together. And check out my website, damayanti.store. Welcome back. Welcome back to Damayanti, the show for your soul. And today we're talking about um, this pathway of the ordinary to the extraordinary when we've woken from just ordinary life and suddenly there's other dimensions and they are real. They're not just sort of vague ideas. You actually experience them. And um, it's within your now your lived experience and there's this energy to discover more. And I'm talking about this path itself and you are moving from the ordinary experience of life, the 3D experience, to the extraordinary, the 5D, if you like, the uh, limitlessness that is your true nature, but there's an awakening and there's an apparent journey to evolve this. Um, and once the inspiration has hit, then uh, you can't sort of stop it really. Um, it's just an energy that carries you along and you, you, have, you want to discover, you want to ask questions and learn more and put things into practice and evolve. So let's just address now the, the actual path itself, um, moving from the sort of ordinary to the extraordinary, um, is like moving out of a comfort zone into uh, beyond the comfort zone, <clears throat> excuse me, beyond the comfort zone to the, the limitlessness and the greatness and the magnificence of your true nature, which is here now, you are that, 
you are magnificent, you are limitless, you are sovereign, uh, you are powerful. That is your true nature. The wisdom traditions talk about this. But we don't always experience it that way, and that's natural, and that's what the path is about, moving from the ordinary to the extraordinary. And that's not a big ego trip. This is um, there, There's a lot to be said about personal responsibility and that, which I'm going to cover in my next show. So imagine um, I've, I'm actually, I have a diagram and I'm actually talking to the diagram. So if you're listening to this as a podcast, imagine a set of concentric circles starting from smaller within, moving to without. And the inside of the circle is your comfort zone. And within that, in our normal everyday life, we move around with a degree of efficiency and confidence and competence. Um, you know, we're not walking into trees all the time and, and we can actually look after our families and we have jobs and we participate in society and with our families and we have relationships and all of that. So we, we are functional. We're not dysfunctional. In, in, you know, generally speaking, this is what I'm talking about. But this is a comfort zone. We feel ourselves. It's part of our self-image, right? This is a form of homeostasis. It is our set point, right? Um, but that efficiency from a broader perspective of your limitlessness, the extraordinary, that is if an efficiency and a competence and a confidence within a certain barrier, right? There's a, there's a wall around it, <laughs> if you like. It's an energetic wall. And then if we awaken and we feel like we are actually on a path of discovery to greater consciousness, higher awareness, greater inner freedom, limitlessness, universality, um, we feel that we're on this path, right? And so we start. And at first it's fantastic. And then we start really hitting some energetic barriers we can feel an increase in negative feelings. Uh, we can hit some sort of more fundamental blockages like blame or apathy, you know, where we just, oh, I just, I can't get myself motivated anymore. It's like you've got lead in your boots uh, and you just want to go back to where it was comfortable. Now, note the wording. It's comfortable. It's where you could just operate and you weren't bothered by all of this. You're aware of fear, fears of things that you weren't aware of before. You may find you things that trigger anger in you uh, and lots of excuses. It could be the weather. It could be someone, family member or a co-worker or, the, you know, some sort of, community organization or friends or what someone said or what you ate there's all these excuses and like I say there's no judgment here it's just understanding the landscape because we're actually moving through some energetic barriers that would keep us and would drive us depending once we hit you know we pursue this and are not going to be uh, put off uh everything about these energetic barriers would drive us back into that comfort zone where we would want to go back to sleep as it were, because it's like we've woken up. Um, 
and it would drive us back into that more com- that comfort zone of life. And it was fine before. And it's like the mirror's cracked and you can't put it back together again. So it's an interesting thing. And people do just close down. It's just too hard. The energy runs out. The habits reassert themselves. But for you, if you want to stay on this path that's why I've called this um, show the path from ordinary to extraordinary because I'm actually talking about the path itself and this is part of the path and this is a common experience everyone will experience it slightly differently but it's understanding the path that you're you're traveling on so you can actually feel an increase in negative feelings feel like you're going backwards, it's worse. But that's only because you're becoming more aware. You're actually evolving. And it's actually a good thing because you're aware of these negative things. A lot of the time, these were subconscious. And by definition, that means they're below sub your general consciousness. You were not aware of them. They were there all right, but you just weren't aware of them. So now there's this Um, you're experiencing an increase in negative feelings. Whoa, that's not what you signed up for. Well, you need to keep going. You need to keep going. You need to keep going. That's where drilling down into persistence, perseverance, resilience, those kind of qualities is often needed at this point. Resolution, no, I'm not going to be put off. And addressing these um, negative feelings, these triggers, these tendencies that we have, feeling them, being present to them, releasing them, letting them go, any past things, and just keep going. And it can feel pretty tough, but beyond that is your freedom. And it's a case of you've got to do the difficult. And um, sometimes it's not, and I'm making it out to seem tough but you you do meet days where it's hard you feel sort of almost inwardly under attack sometimes um and i've i've met that in my life and and believe you me i've had the advantage from a young age of meditation i've had the blessings of meditation and uh wisdom you know i've had every benefit in that regard and yet the inner work goes on regardless of that That just doesn't give you a hall pass and a free pass to everything. You still need to do your own inner work. And it's work only you can do. Um, And that's where your evolution and your greatness is discovered in that inner work. And it's not fancy. It's not glamorous. No one comes and pats you on the back and gives you a medal and a bunch of flowers and, and and um, and a trophy. This is inner work you do yourself. Um, And you need to get comfortable with that. Um, And it's not, you know, sometimes it's easier and sometimes it's harder, but you need to keep walking on the path. And, um, And if there are things that come up, asking yourself questions like what is going on here what why am I experiencing this and it's not a why like I shouldn't what is bringing this experience within my field of experience now what am I doing that's contributing to this and this is not being uh, hard on yourself it's taking responsibility because if you understand what the wisdom traditions are saying whatever we're experiencing is a reflection of the inner to the outer as within so without 
So it's taking that level of uh, responsibility, which I'm going to talk about in my next show, which is moving from this state of victimhood um, into the uh, mindset of the victor, from victim to victor. Um, and that's a, a clear choice and process of change. So you need to just keep going and understanding that there's nothing wrong with you. This is and there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. This is absolutely par for the course. It goes without saying you will meet things and you need to meet them. They need to be cleared out. You need to weed the garden and you need to address these things, feel them, be present to them, um, bring love to them, bring approval to them, and yet let them go and release them. And they're, they're forms of energy and they do need that sort of level of attention acknowledgement and then release um, you learn a lot more about yourself you grow uh, and you grow in understanding and compassion and you then can experience your greater power your inner power your creativity your freedom your growth uh, and that's that's really the spiritual being having a human experience uh, so it's all okay in summary it's all okay. There are no problems. And understand that every single effort you make on this path is never, ever lost, no matter how hard it can be sometimes. No effort is ever lost, no matter how bad the day you're having. Keep going and never, ever give up. Perseverance, persistence, resilience, resolution is sometimes exactly what's needed and strength. And practice steadiness and stillness every day. Just have a moment. If you don't have a regular meditation practice or something, practice being steady and still. And in my book, Conscious Confidence, um, I, I put in an anchor exercise, and that is learning to just have that access to steadiness so that when you're in the middle of the maelstrom within and you might be at work and you've got some anchor within yourself, because it will pass, like every storm, it will pass. This is just energy that's coming up, needing to be released. So at my next show I'm going to be doing is all about taking responsibility and it's wake up and get out of BED, bed. BED stands for blame, excuses and denial. It's moving from victim to victor. So if you want to know more about Damayanti for your soul, go to my website, damayanti.store, damayanti.store. And I'm also on all the socials, Facebook and Instagram, and you can catch up with me there. If you have any questions, drop me a question uh, and check out previous podcasts as well. And I'll finish with some Sanskrit now. It's the beautiful peace prayer from the Yajurveda. In heaven, peace, peace in the space between, on earth, peace, on the waters, peace, in plants, peace. In trees, peace. Peace in all powers. In spirit, peace. Peace in everything. Peace alone, peace. Peace, peace, peace. And the Sanskrit. Om Dhyal Shanti Antarikshan Shanti Prithivi Shanti Apa Shanti Oshadhaya Shanti, Wanaspataya Shanti, Vishwe Deva Shanti, Brahma Shanti, Sarvang Shanti, 
Shanti Reva Shanti Om Shanti 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 Thank you for spending time with me on Damayanti, the show for your soul. To find out more about Damayanti or to get my book, Conscious Confidence, use the wisdom of Sanskrit to find clarity and success or to purchase my range of beautiful spiritual jewelry, go to my website, damayanti.store. That's D-A-M-A-Y-A-N-T-I.store. Damayanti.store. See you next time.